Welcome to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I'm your host, Al Walsh. We are brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, that's SportsPredictor.com. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at PredictorHQ. Once again, that's at PredictorHQ. We've got Chris Dawson with us back today to uh, break down week seven of the NFL season. Uh, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Cash Gritty. And, of course, get all of his best plays here at SportsPredictor.com. How'd uh, week six go for you, Chris? Um, it went pretty good. We got off to, uh, well, it was, uh, it was was we had some rough bookends. We started off Thursday 0-2. Uh, Sunday was good at 4-2 and and then Monday at 0-1. But even though it was a four and five record, it was a profitable week thanks to having the Texans money line, and I uh, also sold off points on the Broncos to get them to minus three at plus one twenty seven. So four and five on the week, but we did um, did get some profit out of the uh, the losing week. Could have been much better, but can never complain when you put money in your pocket. Not at all, not at all. And I know uh, you had the Giants there on uh, on Thursday night, so that was obviously a tough one, and. Um... You know, I guess there with uh, yeah the Packers on Monday, correct? Well, I was uh, was eyeing up the Packers all week, but I actually um, later in the week was able to catch some wind of Detroit's offensive game planning, uh-huh. and um, switched up and was on the Lions money line Monday night. Oh. So started out was going to be on Green Bay minus the points, which would have been a loser, and uh, switched that loser out for a Lions money line loser. <laughs> well, I mean, again, too, you know, just some really tough. Uh, you know, I guess calls or whatever you want to say in those games. Uh, I know obviously the Giants were neck and neck with the Patriots all the way, and then that turnover at the end kind of you know created some some uh, hard times there. And of course, I mean, you know, if you didn't have a TV on all week, I, I feel like you still probably heard about all the bad calls for the Lions in that game. So uh, yeah, and that goes back to you know money management. Um, you know, all of these things are out of our control, even if you handicap the game properly. So. Um, Sometimes those things go your way, and sometimes they go against you. And, and over the long term, they usually equal themselves out. So it was a bad beat, but um, sometimes you get some uh, you get some bad wins you didn't deserve to. Indeed. So I guess aside from uh, a couple of bad officiating calls in Week Six, uh, anything that uh, that you could take away uh, going into Week Seven? Um. Well, you know, I think something that's really um, intriguing, if anything, is is the fact that uh, in multiple divisions um we have every team still very competitive and alive for for the division which you know the afc south the afc west um nfc east and nfc north so um as we start closing in on on halfway through the season i think those are uh you know very intriguing takeaways to, to look at and and also process and try to find some value from that moving forward that, that's ridiculous too that we're almost at the halfway point of the nfl season i feel like you know we just kicked off week one and here we are coming up on week seven already. So, just, yeah, it moves fast. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, and it's the most fun sport of all to watch. So, my, sure. My goodness, my goodness. All right. Well, uh, let's look ahead to week seven. Uh, I know on the notes I had week six. That is my bad. But um, we are going into week seven indeed here. And it all gets kicked off on Thursday night football where we've got the Chiefs, uh, who opened at four and a half 
or opened as four and a half point favorites have since gone down to three. They'll be traveling to the Mile High City to take on the Broncos, uh, which is pretty interesting here. We've actually got the biggest total decline of any game this week. Uh, I guess it's not that surprising considering we're on a Thursday night, but uh, we saw the total go from 50 to 47 and a half. Uh, very interesting here is we got the Chiefs losing their last two and the Broncos winning their last two. Uh, does Chiefs minus three too, uh, feel too good to be true, or you feel like that's warranted going into Thursday night? Um, I actually don't think neither of them. I, I think it's a very bad number, and uh, the Chiefs are being heavily overvalued here um, based off of the fact that the public you know, perceives, the, um, perceives them as being uh, not able to, to lose three in a row straight up. Yep. Um, because of some of the deficiencies that they have, um, I have had them kind of on a regression model. Um, of course, I had the Texans last week and, and also was against the uh, Chiefs money line um, in week five as well. So we've cashed the last two weeks off of their loss, and, and I believe that uh, they're going to experience a third loss in a row going into to Denver. Um, I think the only, the only April hang-up, I have in that is not a lot of trust in the Denver coaching staff. And most of that is based off of just the uh, small sample size we have. I do believe that the blueprint has been laid for uh, Coach Fangio. And, and if he can just follow along that blueprint um, of what the previous couple teams have done to cause the Chiefs problems, that um, it'll be a tough go for the Chiefs in Denver. But uh, a lot of that does hinge on, you know, a small sample size and, and not really having a lot of understanding and how Vic Fangio is going to coach this game Thursday night. Absolutely. And what you were alluding to there about the, the blueprint for – each of the last two teams to, to beat the Chiefs. So I, I was writing an article myself today about this game and found out that this is so interesting. So the Chiefs have allowed 157 plays over the last two weeks. Uh, now that de that very tired defense is going to be coming uh, into the high altitude of Denver. And, of course, too, you know, the Chiefs, again, when you're allowing 157 plays uh, over two games, you don't have the ball that much. Now, I feel like, uh, you know, that's worked in the past for the Chiefs when they've been fully healthy. But, uh, you know, you got a couple nicked up guys on that offense. But they haven't even held the ball for more than 23 minutes in each of the last two games. So definitely, uh, definitely an interesting point to look at there. Yeah, and, uh, and you see the total moving from from fifty to forty seven and a half, and I think you know I'm not really on the over under on this game at all, but I think some of that um, is because there's an expectation that the Chiefs are going to look to uh, establish more of a ground game moving forward. Um, for the simple fact is to try to help mask and disguise the uh, inefficiencies on the defense and and maybe try to lower the amount of snaps that the defense is taking so um some of that total i think is because we, we're expecting to see denver really try to pound the rock and control the uh, time of possession and i think the chiefs are, are you know of course andy reed's a very intelligent and um head coach not just in regards to game planning but also in making adjustments and working with what he has so i think some of that total is an expectation that the chiefs are going to be a little more committed to the run game and try to also keep their defense off the field so much. Yeah, won't be easy. Denver allowing the uh, fourth fewest total yards in the NFL season. So. Yeah, exactly. Definitely, definitely going to be fun to watch tomorrow night, uh, especially up against baseball too. So definitely, uh, definitely, yep. definitely a dual TV night going on tomorrow night. Love those nights. All right, let's get into the Sunday games this week. Uh, we've got the Rams as three-point favorites at the Falcons. Uh, total – 
Has not moved much. It's gone from 53.5 to 54.5. How are you feeling about uh, Sean McVay and uh, and his his actions over the last couple weeks for this Rams team? Well, um, as we brought up last week, whenever they were facing, you know, San Francisco in a, in a big divisional game, um, Sean McVay's kind of fallen into into regression mode uh, with me and, and what I've been looking for, and um, it was something that had me leery of backing the Rams last week, and we saw that they went 0 for 9 on third down. You know, Jared Goff had 78 passing yards. I think they were also 0 for 10 on fourth down. Um, so right now we don't really have Sean McVay in a complete fade mode where we want to bet against him and, and you know his very talented group of Rams that he brings mm-hmm. into Atlanta. But I also, until he proves that he's able to kind of reinvent himself as a, as a play caller, um, you know, watching the tape as a non-football coach, but watching it as as if I was a football coach, you know, he he seems very very pre- predictable right now, especially in some of his third down play calling. Well, you know, the lack of a run game is is definitely evident as well. And, um, you know, going out picking up Jalen Ramsey may help the team, of course, and, and upgrade the cornerback position, but it's not really going to help the offense. And um, he, may, he may find some success against a very struggling Atlanta, Atlanta defense this week, but uh, not backing the Rams and Sean McVay and, until we see more of him uh, from a coaching standpoint and, and also – I never have had, um, you know, Quinn, uh, Atlanta's coach, rated real high either. So right. this is kind of one of, of more of a wait and study, um, see how both these teams react, you know, coming off of tough losses last week. So the, it, it's a no play for me, but uh, I am watching the Rams closely. You know, they're a heavily bet on team, and we can often find value uh, with or against them. So, uh, But for this week, just a study game, and, and we'll use this as a uh, try to find some evidence and building blocks to, to bet for or against the Rams and Falcons moving forward. So uh, we've got your uh, your Oakland Raiders traveling to Lambeau Field to take on the Packers this week. Uh, Packers opened at 6.5, since have gone to 5.5 here. Total stayed constant at 46.5. Uh, Raiders coming off that bye week. Uh, also, you know, the week before that win in London. Uh, how you feel about them going into Lambeau on Sunday? Well, um, the Packers, uh, as as we've spoken, have stolen a game on <clears throat> on Monday night, and I think from a psychological standpoint, that's a positive. Uh, it kind of probably has them, you know, coming in with a, a little bit of a grin on their face and feeling like they're playing with some house money off of that win. Mm. As for the as for the Raiders, um, coming off of this bye week, based off of it being after going to London and because of the truck. Um, excuse me, the tough travel schedule that they had previous to even that. Um, I feel like they're probably going to come out a little bit uh, lethargic um, to open up this game. And I think for the overall outcome of the game will really be determined by uh, how much or how less of blood there is in that first half. So I think the Packers come out and kind of jump on a – you know, I guess we'll say a Raiders team that is uh, trying to get back into the rhythm of things okay. early. And, and depending on, on how bad that is, um, we'll determine, you know, how things end up for the final spread. So for me personally, my position this week on that is, is to go ahead and jump on the Packers for just the first half. Um, I think they kind of catch the Raiders sleeping a little bit. And again, you know, this could end up being a 10 or 17 point uh, halftime lead that the the Raiders might not overcome. Um, But also due to the, 
Packers' inconsistency on offense, we could see it being, you know, um, a four to seven point lead at halftime that the Raiders may rebound from. But either way, um, once I find a good edge and angle um, for the first half, there's there's really no reason to worry about the complete game. So I'm on first half Packers here. Uh, paid a little bit of extra juice to get them down to minus three at minus one twenty five. But um, even if someone's only available to get three and a half or four, I, I still do believe that they uh, go into the half leading by. Um, you know, a touchdown or more, but uh, that's my angle for the, uh, for the Raiders this week, you know, always back in the Raiders, always looking for a reason to, you know, put my money where my heart is, but business is business. And uh, that comes first. And, and I, I feel like uh, off of the London and the bye week from that, we'll, we'll see a little bit of a slow start from the Raiders on Sunday. Interesting. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, I used <clears throat> FanDuel, So I see uh three and a half here for the Packers minus one Oh five in the first half. So, yeah, and, and also I guess it should be noted, um, and I actually took my position before this news came out, but uh, their wide receiver, Williams, um, coming up with an issue, I think, yesterday uh, that was diagnosed in practice. Uh, it's a pretty short sure a foot issue, so I, I wouldn't be shocked either if he's a no-go on Sunday. Tyrell the Gazelle, one of the uh, yeah. DFS fan favorites over the years. So. Oh, get well, yeah, Gazelle, so. get well. <laughs> All right, we've uh, we saw the Vikings last couple weeks looking really good here. Uh, they actually opened as two point underdogs, have since jumped to one point favorites. Uh, they'll be at Detroit this week. Uh, total also went from forty four to forty six. Very interesting here. The Minnesota Vikings, largest increase of the week with their uh, their three point jump, and then also uh, the total was the largest increase of the week uh, by two points. Not a lot of totals going anywhere so far. So. Uh, is this a product of Monday Night Football, uh, what we saw from the Vikings on Sunday, or maybe a little bit of both? I think it's definitely a product of, of Monday Night Football, um, which is rightfully so, especially when we couple that in with Detroit's inability to close out the Kansas City Chiefs right before their bye week. Uh, and we spoke about that in the podcast last week, too, from yeah. you know a psychological standpoint. Uh, they went into the bye week with a kind of a bitter taste in their mouth. And um, they showed up on Monday night, and, and they left that behind. You could definitely tell they were, you know, 100% involved in the game and, and had the expectation to win. But after the way that things kind of fell apart, um, it, I just hard to see them 100% focused this week preparing for the Vikings. And as you alluded to, the Vikings are are playing some pretty good football right now. So uh, I think it's kind of hard to back the lines even at home right here just based off of um, not understanding where their head's going to be at coming into Sunday. So I believe we talked a little bit about it last week, but I I heard something on a podcast uh, with Colin Cowherd and R.J. Bell of uh, pregame.com. They were talking about, and again, it's not necessarily, I mean, that's where I heard it, but um, there's sort of reports out there that Cousins sort of a, a creature of habit. These 1 o'clock games are truly where he thrives. I know everybody looks at Cousins as a guy that really can't play, you know, in the primetime game. But I, I think it's more or less, you know, what, what these articles are saying, that he's a creature of habit. Uh, I guess, number one, I was wondering if you heard the same thing. And two, you know, do you, do you buy that? Um, you know, when it comes to, to trends, I uh, from a handicapping standpoint, um, it's finding trends that other people don't find valuable. Uh, well, once we start uh, making, you know, certain trends really heavy public knowledge, then of course we know that it's baked into the number. Um, in regards to Kirk Cousins and, and, and what you spoke of, 
I do have notes that he's not a primetime performer for whatever reason, you know, night games and nationally televised games. Um, he seems to underperform. So I don't want to buy in too much of, you know, backing him just because he's playing at one o'clock. But I also have taken note in the past that, you know, primetime isn't always the best time for, for Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins. Um, so, you know, I, I could see that, you know, I don't know if I would necessarily want to put my money behind it as an edge, but um, all information, you know, is, is important. It, it's just what's valuable and what's not. And um, So I, I can see a little bit of, of, of fading Kirk Cousins during primetime, but, um, you know, I, I don't have any actual trends or anything that I found in front of me that, you know, shows value in him at 1 o'clock compared to other you know, four o'clock games right. or things like that. So there's a double prong approach to, to bringing that up because obviously, you know, one o'clock game, uh, well, East coast time anyway, uh, for the Vikings this week, but looking ahead, just real quick, just real quick to next week. Uh, the Vikings are hosting the Redskins on Thursday night football. So that should be, hmm. that should be pretty interesting to, uh, see how that all plays out. And, and, and just for some educational purposes, you brought up, you know, like peeking ahead since we're supposed to be focusing on this week. But, you know, I think it is uh, um, very important for gamblers to understand that looking ahead is important because sometimes the players and um, inex- or I wouldn't say inexperienced coaches, but uh, coaches that might not be as disciplined as others also do look ahead. And it's important to try to, you know, put yourself in the mindset um, of the players and coaches of, of what they're seeing. You know, a lot of times we we uh, use the previous weeks to handicap and we don't really look ahead much and, and put ourselves in the mindset of a, of a player or coach or organization to see if there's a possibility of, you know, some kind of look ahead ahead. So it's always good to bring up that point. And it's always smart to look ahead of, you know, not just backwards of who these teams have played but you know what's coming around the corner as well because i believe that a lot of them are doing the same thing good call good call all right so i'm actually going to be at the tailgate for this game not going in but we're going to go to the nearby FanDuel sportsbook afterwards and have a nice little sunday but uh we've got the giants uh three-point favorites uh hosting the cardinals this week uh total at 49 and a half for this one uh, i feel like the interesting point here we got two quarterbacks from this year's draft that went you know within the uh, first top six picks we got kyler murray there for arizona uh daniel jones there for the giants at number six that goes there we see the cardinals win last two weeks and we have seen the giants kind of falter over the last i want to say three weeks um what say you about this game is this a uh is this a fun one to uh to bet or are you gonna stay away I think it's a fun one to watch. I, I think for betting, you can save yourself three and a half hours and just flip a quarter. Um, so, well, that's why we're going to the uh, tailgate beforehand. Yeah. You know, well, that's probably you know that's probably not a bad place to be in the beginning and go in and check the last five minutes of the game. Um, Arizona is, is progressing. You know, they they have progressed um, from week one when we when we rewind the tape and watch it. Um, I. I I'm becoming a buyer of Kyler Murray long term, but um, in this short term window, uh, when we get these two rookie quarterbacks and we have one of them coming off a you know a big win for them anyway yeah. uh, at home against Atlanta, and they're flying all the way east and in, in the big you know New York City to to play the Giants. It's just a hard game for me to actually come out with an accurate prediction of what's going to happen. Uh, I think anything is actually possible in this, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Giants win at home by double digits. And I wouldn't be shocked that, you know, Daniel Jones turns the ball over two or three times and, and Arizona is able to take care of it and wins this game by two or three possessions or 
or if it goes down to the wire and you know someone's kicking a field goal to win by one or two so um it's because of our sunday slate i won't be watching it live and i won't be taking a position on it but it's definitely one i'll enjoy watching the tape on you know monday or tuesday next week and, and, and see more of the development of these young quarterbacks all right uh, a couple interesting four o'clock window games here uh we'll just talk about two but uh the chicago bears uh coming off the bye week here uh opened as four point favorites went to three and a half here They'll be home against the Saints, who Teddy bids, man. He just keeps getting it done. Uh, I feel like the very interesting part about this, though, is the total, uh, where we see it now at 38 and a half. Um, uh, I, I feel like there's a lot to dissect here, but uh, what what do you like about this? Or don't I? Um, I it's going to be a, a very good game. Both defenses you know, are, are playing at an elite level right yeah. now. Um, I think when we look for some edges here, they're they're hard to find, but they are there. One of those being uh, Taylor Gabriel returning for Chicago, okay. and he may not put up a lot of big stats, but one thing that he can do that some of their other playmakers aren't able to do is to command help over the top and possibly run one or two players out of a play. Um, this definitely plays strongly into um, Nagy's hand as the play caller for the Bears and, and opening up some things underneath for his explosive running back and, and also Burton at the tight end position. So um, coming off of a bye week and, and being a disciple of Andy Reid, you know, we can expect him to have a very strong scripted play sheet for the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't be shocked to see the Bears uh get off to a little bit of a decent start on offense and catch a lead here of, you know, maybe seven to 10 points. And when you look at the saints offense, you know, they've been surviving with Bridgewater. Um, but we did see some struggles last week and, and this week, uh, although most of them, or at least two out of three of them will play, we got Kamara, uh, with an ankle injury and Jared cook and, uh, take on Smith. And, you know, the list goes on of players who, who have missed some time of practice this week. Um, Kamara will probably play. You know, he's definitely a warrior, but uh, will he be as effective as normal uh, on that bad ankle is a big question mark. And um, so I think the Bears off a bye week due to, you know, Nagy's ability to to, uh, use the extra time to to find a way to score some points kind of gives the Bears an edge here. Yeah, I think that's interesting. You know, like, again, you look at the opening line, minus four against, you know, the Saints. Uh, I feel like that's a that might seem like an easy one, kind of like what we're talking about with the Thursday night game. Uh, but, you know, you just talked about all those injuries, and those are certainly built into the line right there. And uh, I, I guess with the total, do you, you feel too like maybe, you know, some people can sneak in with the over here with some favorable field positions and uh, possibly even a couple defensive touchdowns? Um, it, it, that's what it would take to push it over. Uh, and some of the fear of that is, is the Saints are, are definitely playing a, a uh, very shut-down defense, but um, you know their defense doesn't really create a lot of points, kind of like the Bears do. Mm-hmm. So um, you know I, I could see this, the, the Bears maybe st- more than stealing a possession, possibly even get a special teams or defensive touchdown in this. But I think that even if the Saints defense plays really well, I don't know if they can produce points. So I think the 40, you know, that's round where it's at, 39 and a half. I think that's pretty sharp. And um, it would probably take, uh, you know, a bouncing ball one way or another to decide what happens there. And um, even though that's, you know, at the end of the day, what we're gambling on, we, we like to have a little bit of an edge and know what, what side of the, the goal line that ball is going to, flip to so yeah. um 
you know, I think you go either way. I, I think it's a it's a hard number to handicap. And we all know how gorgeous Chicago is this time of year. So yeah, you know. yeah. Anything could you know any kind of <laughs> weather could show up by the time we kick off that day. Indeed. All right. So this one's very interesting. I feel like Seahawks three and a half point favorites uh, hosting the Ravens in this one. I think most interesting thing here, the total, uh, all the way up to 49. You got two very mobile quarterbacks, uh, you know, two defenses that are solid. I wouldn't say necessarily shut down, but uh, what say you on this one? Um, it's probably one of the more intriguing and fun games to watch on, on Sunday. Um, the the over definitely tells you uh, a big clue on, on how we've seen these organizations kind of morph into something other than what we're used to. Yeah. So, you know, we're normally expecting this to be a points at a premium game, but, um, you know, the over kind of suggests different. Uh, I think the over-under is a pretty sharp number, um, but I actually would lean towards the under here uh, just for the simple pedigree of Harbaugh and Pete Carroll. You know, they're good coaches, and they have definitely adjusted their styles to the modern-day NFL, but we both know that if it's able, if they're able to run the ball and play defense – and keep this game close. That's what they, you know, both prefer to do and not take a lot of risks. And um, since we get both of them kind of playing against each other, I wouldn't doubt if we see a little bit of old school football on Sunday and both teams stay really committed to the run and uh, play really good uh, red zone defense. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm leaning towards the under on this one, but um, it does seem kind of trappy, you know, because the public is always thinking of the Seahawks and Ravens as defensive teams and, you know, We've seen them both kind of survive on offense early this season. Uh, Sunday night football. Always my favorite when Carrie Underwood gets to sing in at the, at the open. But uh, <laughs> we're going to have a nice game to go along with it, it seems like, for once on Sunday night. Uh, we got the Cowboys three-point favorites against the Eagles. Well, hosting the Eagles. Uh, total at 49.5, which I feel kind of surprising. Uh, you know, Amari Cooper seeming more like he won't play in this game. Uh, and, again, both teams at 3-3 three and three there. Uh, winner. Gets control of the NFC East in this one. Uh, what are you thinking for this one? Um, definitely a, a, a great game to watch. Um, in regards to what's going to happen for the size of the totals, don't really have an edge on either one. I do believe, you know, I don't remember what game we brought this up on last week, but this one definitely falls into to one that should be very um, to the advantage of the live betters. I think that we're going to see both of these teams able to at some point, you know, kind of get streaky on offense and score uh, back-to-back possessions. So um, for me, I, I wouldn't even – I think it would be pretty safe to, to roll the dice here and let this game get kicked off and started. And if you can pick up, you know, either one of these guys at even or plus money uh, with two scores, you know, yeah. 10, to, 10 to 14 points because they're – down 17 to three at the half or something like that would probably be the way to go because um, the numbers is pretty sharp. And from watching these teams in the past, we, we can expect that within the last five minutes, both teams will have uh, an opportunity to win this game. So I think if you, if you can find any way uh, live or during the half to get one of these teams plus 10 or more points, which is, is very doable um, because of, you know, I guess the threat of both teams' offenses, but the inconsistency of them as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one that I, I won't want to pull the trigger on anything uh, pregame, um, unless something develops between now and then. 
Um, but I'll, I'll definitely be watching and looking for an opportunity to, to uh, jump in and get a better number on either team uh, sometime during the game. I believe the game that you're talking about that uh, we did that was actually two weeks ago for Rams Seahawks Thursday night. And, and I remember okay, that yeah. because I took your advice and I won a good amount of money on it. So, you know, great. Always, always, you know, that's, those are the ones you remember. All right. yeah, yeah. You always remember the, the, the winners. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about uh, two, sp- two big spreads this week. Uh, we've got the bills that are 16 and a half point favorites hosting the dolphins. Dolphins going to go back to Fitz magic at quarterback for this one. Bills coming off a bye week. Uh, this one, Bills actually, if I'm not mistaken, they, along with somebody else, are tied for uh, the best ATS record uh, so far this season at 4-1. Uh, got a total here at 40.5. Really, you know, not expecting the, the Dolphins to do much on offense here. But uh, is, this, uh, is this line right where it needs to be against the Dolphins? Um, I, you know, the, the, these ones where we get up around the three scores are, are really hard to say where they'll end at. You know, or mm. the, the Bills are definitely um, 16 to 17 points better than the Dolphins. If that's how the game will play out, um, it, it's hard to say. I, I think there is a good bet here, though, with this low, with this low over, you know, hanging around 40, 40 and a half. And that's basically based off of Fitzpatrick, um, you know, I had notes written all over my Fitzpatrick and folders of Fitzpatrick equals points. Uh, <laughs> rather, he scores them for his team or throws pick sixes for the other team. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's he's a gunslinger in regards to where we give him credit. You know, he, he's playing to score. And whether uh, that works for or against him, um, I think that equals some points out of the Dolphins' offense, even if it doesn't go on their side of the scoreboard. And I think the Buffalo coming out of a bye week will probably have a decent offensive game plan whenever they have plenty of attack points on that Dolphins defense. So um, I don't think we get, you know, uh, a back and forth scoring barrage here, but I wouldn't be shocked to see some Miami turnovers and mistakes lead to, you know, a 10 or 14 point quarter just from that alone. And then when we throw in a couple, um, a couple early scripted bills possessions that probably lead to a touchdown or 10 points, you know, we're, we're already getting up close to that total. So I think over over the 40, 40 and a half is the way to go. All right. Uh, and then to close out here, the final two games, uh, we've got double-digit favorites on the road. So we've got the, uh, the Niners at the Redskins. 10-point uh, favorites are San Francisco in this one. Uh, total at 41. It was pretty interesting. I was watching the, the Rams-Niners game with a bunch of Niners fans, and one of the guys was saying that they're going to flood FedEx Field. And it's like, all right, well, great. Who who the hell hasn't recently? Nobody nobody wants to go watch that product uh, in you know in Landover, Maryland. There, they're all saving their money for the Nationals World Series tickets. But um, <laughs> yeah, how would uh, Niners have to take care of business in this one, right? I don't think so. Okay. Um, right. I, I think yeah, I think you know, well, I think they get the win. You know, I, sure. I definitely don't see the Redskins being able to steal this win. Um, and we're, we're always keeping our eye out for, you know, the double-digit underdogs and are they able to win the game. And in this case, and it's because of the 49ers' defensive front, I just don't think the Redskins would be able to consistently score to win this game. But with that being said, even though it's against the Dolphins, you know, getting that first win last week has to make them feel a little better to show yep, up for yep. week, um, all, you know, all week during, during this time to prepare for the 49ers. We have the 49ers traveling east, and, and they're actually in a little bit of a letdown spot here. Um, you know, big divisional win against the Rams in which they dominated the Rams' offense. 
and the week before that, we had a big primetime win against Cleveland. So at some point, you know, humans are humans, and they have yeah. to they, – they can possibly slip up and not really be paying a lot of attention going into Washington. Um, and then also sometimes, you know, we brought this up last week in regards to the Rams and the 49ers. Um, I wasn't on the Rams because of McVay and also wasn't on the 49ers because we really wanted to see how they played without their all-world fullback. And also after losing their other starting tackle, uh, McClinchkey, after already losing uh, the left tackle, Staley. They, Cal Shanahan was definitely able to mask those uh, exposures, and it took the Rams too long to figure it out. But the second team who gets to face this um, same conundrum that the 49ers are facing usually is the beneficiary of something like this because they get to see you know how, how these things were hidden and disguised and dealt with and also are able to find you know some maybe possible attack points or some weaknesses that they can exploit so i think the redskins have a lot you know going in their favor uh, we brought up you know the home field advantage isn't much but you know they haven't won at home they just got their first win at all last week so oh and three at home you know these are still professionals who have family and friends and you know, local investment partners and everything else who come to watch these games. So I do expect them to show up at home this week and play with a little bit of pride. And, and just because of the 49ers uh, missing those players on offense and, and now exposing, um, you know, what they're going to do and look like from an attack standpoint on tape. I think the Redskins have a lot of things working their advantage. And I think they're able to hold this, you know, within two scores and, and make it a game in the fourth quarter that, San Francisco will probably end up stealing from them with a you know late touchdown or field goal. Very interesting, very interesting. Going to definitely look into that one a little more. I, I, I like everything you had to say there, so I dig it. Um, and plus the Redskins owe me from week two against the Cowboys, but you know yeah. that's, that's neither. Here uh, nor I think there. the Redskins owe everybody money. Who, who <laughs> put money behind the Redskins this year? All right, uh, Monday Night Football: Patriots ten point favorites at the Jets. Jets got Sammy Darnold back last week. Uh, get, getting the outright win against the uh, Dallas Cowboys there. Um, you know, Patriots, they just keep humming along. Couple, couple extra days off for the Patriots here, playing on Thursday last week, now to Monday this week. Uh, what do you think here at uh, MetLife on Monday night? Um, I've, I've, um, I found two, two big edges on this game. All right. and, um, and, and for that reason, we're going to hold this one back and make it a cons only. Um, hate to do it to you, but we're we're making this a, this is a oh, information so available to clients only. Um, th- this is definitely a game that that I have circled and, and feel like uh, feel somewhat wired to the moon with some some of the information really? I have on it. So, yeah, we're we're going to hold that back, but instead we'll we'll plug in a free play here and um, take the Titans minus two on Sunday. All right. Um, I, I like you know it was one of the games that we didn't really have. Uh, have uh, on our list to discuss, but um, I think Ryan Tannehill coming in at quarterback, um, you know, might not be a long-term solution for Tennessee, but I, I think it does bring a little bit of pep to the step of the team and, and give them a little bit of belief that they can finally score some points. And and we're catching San Diego uh, flying east after just a dismal uh, primetime performance against Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, some of the things I've always noted is, San Diego seems to really struggle when Pouncey is not at center. So uh, a, a good bet for the people this week and a nice safe bet, I think, is Titans minus two um, at home playing against a uh, road-weary and banged-up San Diego team. I like that, folks. Not only is he a mastermind of picks, he's also a mastermind marketer as well. 
Maybe, <laughs> you you got now you you have to buy the package just to see what's gonna what's gonna happen with that Jets Patriots game. So, uh, Chris, always a great talk as as always. Uh, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Cash Gritty. Uh, that's where he'll be giving his free picks and whatnot. Also, a lot of good insights on the games and everything. Definitely a good follow. I follow him. You should as well. Uh, once again, sportspredictor.com is where you're going to find uh, that fantastic play on the Patriots-Jets game that Chris just mentioned. Um, you know, you can follow us on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Once again, that's on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Uh, and Chris, this is exciting. I know we're going to talk some basketball next week. Can't wait. NBA is a uh, cash cow for me over the over the last five years. Um, yeah, so definitely can't wait to be getting into the NBA. Um you know, I can't help myself, but already looking ahead to those two opening night games and and um, just, yeah, very exciting time. You know, we're entering into what I like to call the our very few weeks of triple witching yeah. where we get football, baseball and basketball all together. And, um, you know, it's, it's it's definitely a time to to enjoy what we do for a living and. And, of course, put some money in the pocket for Christmas time right around the corner. Now uh, I'm, I'm going to be at the, the home opener there for my Brooklyn Nets taking on Minnesota. So while you're, while you're looking at those first two games, if you see anything, you know. You know what's funny? I never bet on the Nets because every time they do, they lose. So I just usually take a look at the other games. But if you got you got any interesting on anything interesting on that one, definitely let me know. I could, I could break no, a spell we'll on do. for a new season, you know, of course. It's a new season, and and you know a lot of that things is, is is just mindset. Um, you know, most birds don't fly until they realize all they have to do is jump off the mountain. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. all right, look so at that. I, I, Marketing yeah, I, picks and all sorts of uh, philosophical quotes. Look at that. Well, I've had a lot of people who you know they don't bet on their their hometown favorites or just their their heart filled favorites whenever that's the team that they know the most. And yeah. I think um, if you're willing to go the other way, and, and once you get past that hiccup, you know those are usually the the teams that you know the the most about and what, have the most insight on or are the teams that you're very predictive of. And you know that goes back to my Raiders this week. Um, I would love to bet the Raiders every week just from an you know, amateur <laughs> standpoint, watch the game, and they win, and I win, and, yeah. and it's a plus-plus. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, money's what makes the world go round, and, and um, you know, it's a perfect example. I, I, I feel like my squad's going to be uh, a little bit lackadaisical this week coming in and, and um, against the tough Green Bay defense. So it's always good to uh, track teams, man, and, and, you know, use that information for profit. So. We'll see what yeah. the Nets do for you this year. Yeah, hey, you know what? Now that I feel like we could afford a couple losses on the schedule, you know, maybe maybe take a new mindset to this whole betting thing. But should be uh, should be fun nonetheless. I just can't wait to see him introduce KD. That's that's the that's the big thing. <laughs> gotta gotta be yeah. there for that. All right, folks. Once again, no Chris Dawson. Find him on Twitter at Cash Gritty, and you find us at SportsPredictor.com. We'll see you next time. <laughs>